Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. back folks this is the Weston walker show sports radio 92.7 broadcasting live from the planet kia studios the best place on the planet to buy a car visit them on east independence or online at planetkianc.com all right we talked about coming back into the break the carolina panthers and they made a lot of great moves this offseason there's no doubt about it in my opinion this has been their best offseason. Will it pay off when the regular season comes? We shall see. But one thing we haven't talked about is what has been their biggest offseason mistake. It could be a player. It could be not attacking a certain position group. There are a lot of ways that we can go here uh, with this. But, Walker, I'll start with you. What do you think has been Carolina's biggest offseason mistake so far? Uh, Look. You're going to have to balance the scale some way. So if I say they should have gone after another cornerback, then does that mean you have to take somebody else that was a good signing off of the table? Sure. If you got to go opposite edge rusher, then do I have to take off somebody else, right? What I would say is not looking at another edge rusher because I feel like that was the biggest thing that hurt them last year. That would be my biggest move here. They can rectify that by possibly going after one of these veterans out there, not giving them a whole lot of money, having depth, and still having D.J. Johnson, some of the younger guys, even a Marquise Haynes as a situational pass rusher. I do think if you talk about starters, whoever would start opposite of Brian Burns, I have a problem. Starting at cornerback, I'm okay with Dante as the second guy. Don't love it, but I'm okay with it. Right now, I have more questions about the opposite dude of Brian Burns than I do the second guy opposite of J.C. Horn. That's why I say the biggest mistake, if I had to choose one, I would say it's not attacking the defensive end outside linebacker position as much as they did attack other positions. Yeah, I would go with, just for starters, I would say uh, not attacking cornerback in the draft, perhaps I know Jamie Robinson has been showing a lot of position versatility and he may be able to be a a little bit of a nickel corner for them in spots, but I feel like maybe you could have addressed because I felt like they've hit a lot of spots and it is right walk. It is give and take. Whatever you want to go with one way, well, okay, if you want to say they should have addressed pass rusher sooner, well, then do you not take Jonathan Mingo? Because a lot of fans are excited about that. But I would go with maybe attacking corner uh, with a little bit more of a, uh, uh, I guess, I, it's hard to put it into words, but just maybe with a draft pick instead of going undrafted free agent route and then maybe signing some guys off of the street, maybe one of those picks could have gone to uh, a cornerback that you had your eyes on in the NFL draft because we have agreed that that's pretty much their weakest position room right now. And so I would go with that. Well, and, and even with the unrestricted free agent signings, um, or I should say the, excuse me, the undrafted free agent signings, 
they didn't bring in a lot of edge rushers there. Remember, we talked about how many cornerbacks they brought in. Mark yeah. Milton, Rayshon Wright, we've talked about quite a bit. But even just defensive ends, I guess you have an Antoine Jackson as someone that comes in as an undrafted free agent. Uh, Jordan Thomas is listed as an outside linebacker. I can't tell you much on Jordan Thomas. I don't even remember him showing up in our My Name Is segment that we did with the undrafted rookies. But they did bring in a few of these cornerbacks to try to provide them some depth and somewhat recognizable names. So that's why I continue to go that route. It's just, do you feel comfortable depth-wise at that spot? And to me, that's where if we were to come in with last-minute free agent signings with some of the guys still out there, that's why a lot of people really wanted them to go after Leonard Floyd. Now he's playing for the Bills. That's still something I consider at least uncomfortable or a weakness going into next season. But Wes, you talked about how, hey, is there a player you thought was the worst move? If you were to force me, uh-oh, I know what's coming. Oh no, I would go Miles. <laughs> but but I don't but but that's it's a force. I don't think it's a bad signing. Yeah. That's my that's my point. There are signings pretty much every offseason that I point to and say, "Oh, I don't like that one." But I can't tell you one that I dislike. Not again, Miles Sanders, it's a fine signing. It's not it's not going to, you know, put handcuffs on you to the point where you can't get out of that contract long term. It's fine. Good running back. I hope he's resurrected in the passing game, but whatever. Like, I can't point to a single signing and think, man, that was brutal. I don't. I can't give you anything. Well, I agree with you in the respect that if Miles comes in and plays great, fine. But I did say during the offseason, and I would go with that one too as a signing because I felt like, like there were better running backs that they could go out and get, especially, you know, we, we know we talk about the money with you and how you don't want to pay running backs, but I felt like the Panthers had so much cap space. Maybe you go out and get a Derrick Henry, try to make a trade there. But then again, like I said, that's my favorite player. So I don't know how to handle that. <laughs> well, and it would be really <laughs> questionable as to why you traded Chris McCaffrey. If, if you wanted to get off that contract and you just went after something with that contract again, then that would be really questionable. We Speaking of running backs, we'll just continue that convo. Tar Heel Kevin said, this is easy. This is letting Deontay Foreman go. Mm. What do yeah. you think about that? That was a good one, too, because when you talk about the value that he brings to the table, especially if you don't get the receiving aspect of Miles Sanders' game, then you could look at that Deontay Foreman signing and say, okay, well, what were you trying to do? Because he went to Chicago for much, much less than what the Panthers are paying Miles Sanders with what he showed you in the back half of that season last year. Then if you just want a primary running guy and that's all he's going to do then I would have to agree uh Spence not a fan of Bryce Young that was the biggest offseason mistake they oh, made okay. according to Spence Burberry Gary he wrote in Bryce age so a couple of people not on board with drafting Bryce Young and then we got a couple of uniform text in 704 said <laughs> the biggest mistake is that they didn't change the uniforms this offseason while 803 said the biggest mistake was making too much of a big deal of the switch to quote process blue so some uniforms text as well all right so i like that but then another position that maybe we overlooked is wide receiver could they have gone out and gotten a a big name guy could they have gone out and maybe tried to sign a deandre hopkins maybe gone after uh, a Devonte adams even though we know that the trade price would have been exorbitant could they have maybe gone after odell beckham when he was available we'll see what he brings this season because pff has come out with their list ranking the nfl wide receiving corps and they have the NFL wide receiving cores, Trevor Sycamore, and he ranked the Carolina Panthers 
first. Okay. He said you can make a case. But then this is interesting, though, the way he writes this up. He says you can make a list for the Panthers being ranked last on this list. But I want to give some respect to veterans Adam Thielen and Hayden Hurst, who have been added to this group to at least elevate the receiving core's floor. Terrace Marshall Jr. could be in for a big season, which would be a huge plus. He says he has a lot of faith in Jonathan Mingo. Then he talked about DJ Clark's ability, DJ Chark's ability to stretch the field for them if things open up. He said it's one of the least appealing groups on paper, but it might not be as hopeless as many think. So I felt like he kept going kind of back and forth, giving a compliment and then taking it away. But could this receiving core end up being the biggest surprise in the NFC South when you look at that landscape? identifying the positions where each team is the weakest, perhaps, and Carolina's wide receiving core, surprising. Yeah, I think it could be. I think it absolutely could be one of the bigger surprises in the NFC South because if you have players you believe in that are probably going to be your third and fourth option coming into the year with Terrace Marshall Jr. and Jonathan Mingo, and they turn out to be pretty useful, a part of that offense, absolutely it could be. I think it could be surprising, especially when you bring in LaVisca Chenault into the equation. Because I, I do think LaVisca being your fifth option for an NFL team, I think most teams would sign up for that. You just aren't very top-heavy with Carolina right now. You got rid of DJ Moore. I thought it was a big loss when they traded him. Still would have made the trade because ultimately you want to go get the most important position, move up to number one, control the draft, well worth the risk. But still a risk, in my opinion, getting rid of that guy who was good for 1,100 yards with anybody not named Baker Mayfield. So they trade him. They were able to make up for it with Adam Thielen and DJ Chark. Hopefully those guys can stay on the field, but also drafting Jonathan Mingo. And they seemed pretty hell-bent on getting a wide receiver early. They seemed like they wanted to keep that 39th overall selection in the negotiations with Chicago. And they used what asset they thought was the most important to them on a wide receiver. So clearly they still wanted to try to replace as much as you could DJ Moore in the present and beyond. And that's why I think it's okay. Now you've got some talented dudes over there that, yeah, I think it could be a big old surprise for Carolina. Yeah. Because when you look over the landscape with new Orleans is the offensive line with Atlanta, it's that front seven, their pass rush. And then Tampa, I mean, take your pick. I mean, quarterbacks, whatever the case may be. But I think the Panthers receiving core could be the biggest surprise, especially when you're talking about a unit now that's rated near the bottom of the league. This isn't the first report that we've seen where this, uh, this core has been panned. So if they step up and are able to get weapons, we talked about uh, Terrace Marshall and his ranking as a go-route runner and a deep ball threat. Jonathan Mingo, how they said he is expected to have a big role and how good he's been thus far. So this group could really surprise. Now, Jeremy Chen, another guy that could be about to surprise, he's been said to have had a strong all-season program. He's drawn a lot of praise from teammates and coaches. They said he's making big plays and coverage during workouts that he did not make last year. And they said as a big nickel corner, he showed improved coverage ability and field awareness. So we'll see how things look when the pads come on. But right now, is this the Everall effect or is this Jeremy Chin realizing that his NFL clock may be ticking and now is the time for him to step up and make some plays? I think both are true. There's no denying Jeremy Chin is an excellent talent. Remember in that draft, 
it was all about Isaiah Simmons being this crazy versatile player, and eventually Carolina decided to go with Derek Brown. But people were with the, were okay with that a little more so. All the Isaiah Simmons fans out there because they selected Jeremy Chin. Yeah, I moved him to safety too. And they felt Simmons, they felt Jeremy Chin was an Isaiah Simmons light. Comes in, great rookie year. Ve- I mean, second guy, right? Only Chase Young beat him out in that award and hasn't lived up to that potential hype ever since. So clearly really talented chess piece that Ajero Avero can work with. And now you have a defensive coordinator who was very good in Denver coming over, being celebrated alongside of Jeremy Chin. I think it's a great match. And I think it is the guy that you hope can come in. And I don't know if Jeremy Chin is a reclamation project. I wouldn't call him that. But I do think that he can tap into some of that not realized potential quite yet. And he's still a younger player. You know, he's not some old dude. You know, Jeremy Chin is not somebody that comes in that has um, a lot of money. He hadn't even gotten to a second contract yet. So I do think that you're you're talking about a guy that that's best football is ahead of him. Yeah, I'm going to go and say that I think it's the Everall effect because – a lot of is made of mental in sports. And I know a lot of times when you have a coach that you either feel like that doesn't believe in you or you don't vibe with them, that can play a lot into your play on the field. And it can make not coming to work a lot of fun. Uh, and so I think for Jeremy Chen with Ezra Evero coming in, him wanting to take advantage of that playmaking, because I'm sure that Jeremy was on a high of highs during his rookie year, and he felt, man, I'm about to become one of the best safeties in the game. Things change, role changes. Then he's getting uh, the fans aren't showing love anymore. They feel like he's not the guy that he was his rookie year, and I'm sure that probably weighed on him. And so now he gets a chance to go back to what he was doing his rookie year. So I think that the way... Ezra Evero wants to use him in the way that I feel like he believes in him. I think that's going to turn this kid uh, into a different player. And I think that's got his confidence up. And I think that's why you're seeing him make some of the plays and looking rejuvenated, uh, so to speak, out there on the football field during the offseason. Well, we know there were at least rumblings that he didn't love how he was being used in the Phil Snow system. So I do think Averro only comes in and helps in that scenario, and hopefully it can play itself out on the field that way. No doubt about it. When we come back, we're going to talk to Greg Allman of Fox Sports. We're going to talk NFC South on the other side. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. WFNZ. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Appreciate you joining us on this Tuesday. 
Fiddy is back. Got the gang back together. Had some breaking NBA draft news from Jake Fisher. We'll get to more of that a little bit later on in the show. Also have a visit to the mound for us to endure as well. We'll continue our scene exploring the NFC South OTAs. A little break before we start to get to training camp about a month away. And who better to talk about the NFC South than somebody who writes about it for Fox Sports. Let's welcome Greg Allman to the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can follow him on Twitter at Greg Allman. Just wrote something about Bryce Young, his impact with the Carolina Panthers. So go check that out. I do want to start with some other NFC South conversation, though, Greg. You wrote about Tampa Bay for quite some time, previously with The Athletic. And as we start to explore the other teams in this division, the quarterback situation with every one of these teams is fascinating for different reasons. If we go to the Bucks, we got to endure Baker Mayfield last year, at least for like the first seven games. He's now with Tampa. We know they also have a Kyle Trask there, too. My question to you is, do you expect Baker Mayfield to start the most games for Tampa this year? I would think so, as, as a default between those two. Um, I think he'll definitely get the first crack at it. Um, I don't think he wants the first six weeks to go much like uh, they did in Carolina last year. Uh, but, uh, no, I think he's hoping to kind of get back closer to, to Brown's Baker Mayfield than what he had uh, you know, with the Panthers or even the Rams last year. So as we're trying to figure out how Tampa will look, they obviously lost Tom Brady. That's going to be the most consequential loss. Is there another loss you think is going to be maybe not up there with Tom Brady, but the second biggest when you look at some of the other guys no longer there? Yeah, it could be. I mean, the offensive line has had some changes. I don't think any of them are anything close to Brady level. But, I mean, they're going to have you know a lot of new offensive linemen, at least in new spots. Um, Donovan Smith, their left tackle the last eight years, got cut. So, Tristan Wirfs, who's been outstanding at right tackle, now goes to left tackle. And kind of that, you'd think he'd do well there, but it kind of becomes a question mark. Um, they let Shaq Mason go, who was their right guard. They, they traded him to the Texans, but it was just a pick swap. Um, so they'll have two very young offensive linemen on the right side, a center who's coming off a major injury. Um, their left guard is getting Matt Filer, who's just a, a, a modest free agent, like a $3 million deal. So O line's definitely in a, in a kind of state of flux, if you will. Um, but in terms of other losses, I mean, most of the other guys they let go, none of them signed for more than like $3 million a year. A lot of losses in terms of just the total personnel they lost. Um, they're a lot younger as a team, but no one huge, wow, how are they going to replace that guy besides besides Brady? Greg Allman joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can follow him on Twitter at Greg Allman. And so what is the vibe coming out of Tampa Bay's offseason camps? We know they drafted Kalaja Kansi on the defensive line. We've seen Devin White in the news a lot as well as far as his contract situation. So is there optimism with this team that they can compete, or is this a team that's marching towards a top draft choice? No, I mean, I think within that within that facility, within the locker room, I think they can. I think they feel like they can compete. I mean, I think they're eager to show um, that while they'll be a lot younger, where they're going to be missing a guy like Brady, I think they feel like they can. This is kind of the opposite of last year. Last year they had super high expectations and obviously fell short of them to be eight and nine and losing the first round of the playoffs. And now you have the opposite, where I mean, Vegas has them winning like six, six, seven games, um, maybe last place in the division. And I think they feel like now they have a chance to exceed expectations, which is something they probably haven't done, you know, really since the Super Bowl season in, in 2020. So what's been the word coming out of New Orleans? We've seen Brian Bercy, their first round pick running with the ones. And then this team, do, do they look the part of an NFC champion and a playoff contender now with Derek Carr? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, you know, I mean, his numbers last year weren't hugely different from what the Saints quarterbacks put together as a whole, but I think there's a, a leadership aspect that's there. They probably haven't had at the quarterback position, um, you know, since Breeze, really. I, and I think, you know, I think the hope is that he, you know, they can help make Carr uh, a guy who can have a postseason relevance in a way that he hasn't had. You know, he's got, he's been in the league for almost a decade now, um, doesn't have a postseason history. So, I mean, he's trying to just get back to that and hope that New Orleans is a team that can do that. I think they've done a really good job just to keep more of their talent in. I mean, I think with all the cap hell they were in going into this offseason in March, I think people thought it was just going to be a, a mass exodus. And they've been able to keep a lot of their key players. Uh, the people didn't necessarily expect to add a guy like Jamal Williams to make some of the additions on defense they've done. Um, like I said, I think they've weathered the storm. Uh, they even have a little bit of room right now. They could still add people if they wanted to. And so also when you talk about this team, one of the keys I feel like is is Michael Thomas. And we know his injury history the last couple of seasons. Have you heard anything about him? And is he getting close to being the player that we remember him as, but just maybe a little bit on the light side? Right. I mean, it's definitely it's a challenge to say you'd like to see like 2019 Michael Thomas come back in that. I mean, pre-COVID when he was getting 150 catches in a year, you know, maybe the most productive receiver in football. Um, I don't know that you can expect that, you know, but I think just to get him back to being a relevant player. I mean, he's missed essentially at least the last two years, really, with injuries where you just haven't been able to count on it. Um, and they've done a good job of obviously bringing in Chris Olave and adding some other targets where it's not like they have to get a whole lot from him. If they got anything close to a return to what we've thought of Michael Thomas at his peak, I mean, that's great. That That's a game changer for New Orleans with a good quarterback to throw to him. Um, but I don't know what you can expect of him right now from a health standpoint, from a consistency standpoint. Um, they did well to get him back. That could have owed him a lot more money than they did. Uh, but again, I think until it's September and he's healthy and suiting up, it's hard to know. Talking NFC South with Greg Almond of Fox Sports. You can fo- uh, Fox Sports, excuse me. You can follow him on Twitter <laughs> at Greg Almond. Greg, continuing to talk about New Orleans just a little bit more, their head coach, Dennis Allen, doesn't have a great win-loss record under his belt throughout his head coaching tenure in the NFL. Is he on the biggest hot seat within this division? I would think him and Todd Bowles. I mean, honestly, all three that aren't new coaches probably have a certain amount of, of make sure you're relevant, make sure you're competitive. You know, I mean, Arthur Smith hasn't been bigger than 710. Um, they have to be better than that. You know, Dennis Allen and Todd Bowles are kind of in the same spot in that they, they both got second chances as head coaches. Um, I don't know that Bowles came close to what they had hoped that would be last year. So uh, he's got to be careful and that they disappoint again. I mean, the, the Bucks coming out of the gate have a tough schedule. If they don't win in week two against the Bears, they could be 0-4 in their bye. So, I mean, they could have a rough start where they dig a big hole they have to get out of just to be in the chase at all. Um, but, no, I think Dennis Allen, if – if this doesn't take, if, if Carr isn't the guy, if they don't really have the production they need on offense, they swapped out defensive coordinators this past offseason. So you've already kind of made the half measures that you make when you want to make changes without moving on from your head coach. So if, you know, I mean, this seems like right now, like a division where all four teams are kind of going to be clustered in the middle there. But if anybody is an outlier, if anybody is 4-13 and 13 instead of 7-10, and 10, their head coach might be in trouble. 
Looking forward now to the Atlanta Falcons going across the NFC South. Look, it's it's interesting at the quarterback spot for every one of these teams. Every franchise is going to have someone start more at that position than we saw last year. Atlanta has Desmond Ritter now as their guy. Is he the biggest thing holding Atlanta back, Greg? And do you think that this is someone that could surprise everybody next year? Could. Oh, I mean, he definitely could. If he had, you know, 20, 25 touchdowns, that would be a huge, impressive uh, first year as a starter. You know, I think everybody expected them um, for all their talk about liking Des Ritter after four games. I mean, I think people thought they'd go after Lamar or, or thought they'd be in the chase for a big veteran like New Orleans did with Derek Carr. And to their credit, they they didn't. I mean, they haven't. I mean, they've got Taylor Heineke as, as their, their backup. And even he came in kind of, you know, bowing in, and yielding to Desmond Ritter as the starter. So they, they definitely put a lot with him. And his credit, he's going to have talent to throw to. I mean, they've put three straight top ten picks into offensive weapons, you know, in Kyle Pitts and in Drake London and now in Bijan Robbins. So he's got talented people to go to. They paid a lot to make sure they had the offensive line back to keep Chris Lindstrom and extend him and keep Caleb McGarry. Um, so there's really no excuses on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, they got a new coordinator. They, they put some money into that side of the ball and guys like Jesse Bates. So, this was a team that was, was kind of constrained by the cap for a couple of years, and, and this spring had money to spend probably as much as anybody, really. So there's an influx of talent, um, and if you don't you know, find winning with that, if you're not at least in the hunt for, for a division and a playoff, you know, playoff spot in December, it could be trouble just because they have spent to make this a competitive team. Yeah, Greg, and when you talk about Atlanta and their weapons, Bijan Robinson coming in, he's a rookie of the year favorite. Do you expect him to be a guy that comes in right away and is a difference maker? And does Atlanta have the best set of skilled talent on the offensive side in the NFC South? Yeah, I think Bijan Robinson is an immediate impact, big-time Christian McCaffrey-level rookie. I think he's going to catch a ton of passes. Um I mean, they, they had a 1,000-yard rusher in Tyler Elgier last year as a rookie, and he kind of gets pushed back. So I think, you know, you have two great young running backs you can lean on, a commitment to running the ball. And I think Robinson, I mean, if you, if you told me over under 75 catches, I might take you over with him right now because I think they're going to get him involved in the pass game as well. They don't have a ton of depth at receiver. Um, after Drake London, it, it's like Mac Holland and Scotty Miller and a lot of guys that have been threes and fours a lot of places. Um, but, no, in terms of just – elite top of each position, Bijan, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, all drafted high for sure. I don't think we've seen the production we expected from Kyle Pitts yet. He's been hurt for a decent amount of his two years, um, but the potential is there. I mean, you'd look at Tampa Bay, and they probably have better two receivers, but certainly not the talent at tight end or at running back. Uh, New Orleans has two really good backs now, uh, has at least one really good receiver, I mean, New Orleans would probably be close. And I don't know if Carolina, it's all new, so you don't know how it's going to fit in. But to think about Miles Sanders, Adam Thielen, and DJ Shark, I mean, tight end's probably not as strong for them. But this, this from like a fantasy football skill position standpoint, is, is a really good upgraded division, I think. And you touched on their defense, but how optimistic are they about that, talking about Atlanta and mainly that pass rush that was so bad last season? Yeah, I'm surprised they haven't done more to upgrade that pass rush. Uh, I think that the stat is over the last two years, they have 23 fewer sacks than any other team in the NFL. Um, one off the league low this past year. Um, so, I mean, they've added pieces to this defense. They've added some defensive tackles, um, you know, added a linebacker. I mean, they really imported some of the, the better players from the Saints defense because they added their defensive coordinator, Ron Nielsen. But in terms of just pass rushers, you haven't really seen it. Did I thought they'd put a high pick in the draft, and obviously – 
they're going to get a lot out of Bijan Robinson. But I mean, there were some really good potential double-digit sack guys that were there at at outside pass rusher, and I think they're they're hoping the rest of their defense can create turnovers and create pressure, and it's not just all on their edge guys. But I was surprised. I, I thought you'd see them, you know, sign a, a ten million dollar pass rusher or put a high draft pick into one. They really haven't. Greg, before we get you out of here, I did want to talk about your article on Bryce Young. Dante Jackson called the vibes immaculate. You wrote all about Bryce and his strong impression wrapping up minicamp. What was your biggest takeaway about the first overall pick? Yeah, I think just, I mean, everything you want him to, I mean, right now it's kind of hard to to lose June as a rookie quarterback, but in terms of just setting the right impression, being there, um, you know, Bryce is a humble kid. You know, he's not coming in with a lot of, this is my team. I'm taking over. It's just, hey, hey, guys. You know, thanks a lot for embracing me for bringing me in. It, it's hard to be the youngest guy in the room and be thought of as a leader or as someone that can command authority. So you kind of have to earn that. I mean, it's going to take wins on the field, tough comeback wins. Those are the things that earn you the authority of a locker room. But I think he appreciates um, how much they've welcomed him in. How much guys that have been in this league for a decade and won other places are treating him with respect when he's just brand new to everything around. So, no, I mean, again, it's, he's saying and doing the right things, uh, but he hasn't had the first hit on him, hasn't really been tested. Right now it's all, you know, I always think about May and June as just months where it's all new and learning, and there's a lot of that, obviously, in Carolina because you got new coordinators and new schemes on both sides of the ball. But I think he's done all the right things. He sounds like someone who projects as a leader as much as a 22-year-old can. Go check out more of that article on Twitter. You can find his handle at Greg Allman. As Carolina wraps minicamp up, he writes about Bryce Young. He's on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Did a great job talking about the NFC South. Greg, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Greg. You guys take care. Enjoy the summer. We got lots more to talk about this summer before Carolina actually takes the field. Still have some NBA draft talk to get to. I did want to recap some of those comments from Greg. So just interesting things that he mentioned Going through the division, Atlanta is a team that I'm having a hard time trying to evaluate because you look at their offense, they have a number one talented tight end. The guy went over a thousand yards his rookie year as a tight end, which is absolutely nuts. It wasn't used a lot last year. Bijan Robinson, one of the better running back prospects, probably the best we've seen since Saquon, I would say. And then you also have Drake London. I'm really high on him as a number one wide receiver. He talked about Bijan being a guy that he would take the over on 75 catches. It's not because I don't believe in his talent. It's because you have Cordero Patterson, who used to play wide receiver, that's been used in that regard as well. I guess, though, for me, I, I haven't put enough stock into Atlanta's lack of depth at the wide receiver position because, yeah, on the surface, it looks like, oh, they've got everything set with their mm-hmm. skill position. But wide receiver depth, if we're talking about Fitty's favorite, Mac Hollins, a former Tar right. Heel, he's over there. Scotty <laughs> Miller, someone that was catching passes from Tom Brady once upon a time. I, I wonder if the wide receivers are going to or lack of wide receiver depth are going to hurt Desmond Ritter's ability to be able to break out this season. But you do have some weapons in the backfield, of course, and also with your tight end and your number one guy. And see, I think that receiver depth could be a reason he said that watch out for Bijan to go over yeah. that 75 catch mark because I think he's going to be a guy that Ritter's going to look for. And when you watch the tape on Bijan, the footwork, the athleticism, the way he is in the open field, man, he is dangerous. Cordero Patterson, I know what he's been uh, once in his career, and still a really good back, still really dangerous. But this kid, Bijan, man, let me tell you, 
if you can get the football in his hands, you want to do that ASAP. So I thought that was interesting. And then another thing I took away, too, was just nobody seems to know what you're going to get from Michael Thomas at this point, man. I mean, nobody can get a read on what that guy can do, even outside of of the camps and the OTAs. Just seeing where he's at in his development still seems to be an enigma. It it seems to be a fool's bet to bet on anything regarding Michael Thomas. But he had something on the South. Well, you were talking about, you know, the 75 catch threshold for B. John Robinson. That's only 4.4 catches a game. And kind of like what was talking about, you've got to get him the ball 20, 25 times a game. Now, how, now how you divvy up those touches is going to be the key, but who would be surprised if they just throw a little swing route to him where he's not going to be having to run in between the tackles is getting is gaining six, seven, eight yards and stepping out of bounds. Like yeah. we, we know the offensive mind that, that, that Arthur Smith is, he's going to be creative in getting that guy who's been a top 10 draft pick on and a running back. He's going to get the ball in a multitude of different ways. This is the problem though. When you start to do the whole average thing, right? I know you went to the average per game. Nobody had 75 receptions for them last year. Drake London led the team in receptions at 72. We'll try to break this on an average. It sounds, oh, that's easily attainable. Sure, sure. We do this with Thielen. We do this with Bryce Young being able to get to 4,800 yards. But now you're talking about their running back in Cordero actually had 21 receptions, but only played 13 games. Yeah. So he's going to feed into that. Bijan Robinson's going to have to deal with Kyle Pitts only playing 10. If he plays more this year, then he's going to have more than the 28 receptions he had last year. And I don't expect Desmond Ritter to be throwing it all over the yard. So if we want to have the whole fantasy over under style thing, that's going to be tough for me for Bijan to get to 75, but we'll see. Atlanta's got the best running back room in the league, I'd say. Yeah, 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 it's fantastic. Uh, The other thing I wanted to say real quickly is Dennis Allen, the guy that you think is most on the hot seat, or would you put Todd Bowles above Dennis Allen? Oh, yeah. I think uh, Todd Bowles will get a little bit of grace because even though the season last year didn't go quite the way they wanted it to, but I think they'll give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, not having Brady and different things like that. But I think that... Uh, the coach in New Orleans, Dennis Allen, they're looking at that roster saying, hey, we should win the NFC South. And I think if he does anything less than that, it'll be a disappointment and they'll get him out of here. I think Dennis Allen is probably the guy that's most on the hot seat, even though Todd Bowles is going to be right there with him. I, I get it. I just, I just feel like Dennis Allen is worse. Todd Bowles at least is a really respected defensive mind. I know you can copy and paste that a little bit with Dennis. I don't know. I'll, I'll never forget that game against Tampa. Where one, Mark Ingram just doesn't try to get the first down and that destroyed them. And also their decision making, just handing the football back to Tampa Bay, where Tom Brady and company, they're able to score a last second touchdown, really, and able to t- and they're able to take control of the division that way. It was just mind blowing stupidity, really from both coaches, but Dennis Allen won in the way that you lose in the idiot debate. Like, what were you doing? I'll just never go back away from that game and say, oh, okay, Dennis Allen is above anybody. Nah, I got to put Dennis Allen as the guy most on the hot seat. All right, Fitty, is your seat warm over there? Do you feel good about what your temperature is on that seat? I think his seat's always warm. Fitty, always hot. Thank you, Wes. I like to think I'm hot, too. All right, hot Fitty with a Fitty Flash right now. It's all right to be little Fitty. A little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share, might as well smile. Life goes on for a little Fitty. Wow. All right, guys, we're going to keep it with the NFL talk. Free agent running back Dalvin Cook has his eye set on teaming up with fellow free agent wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins. 
if that were be the if, if that were to be the case, what team best fits the ability to add both of those two guys? Yeah, I don't know. Miami. I mean, I mean, New England's going to be the first team that jumps off the board because I think they've already met with Hopkins and they need help in that running back room. Well, I like Ramon J. Stevenson. I, I do. Um, and you know, the Patriots have often subscribed to the theory of not paying running backs a lot of money and just getting production from some of these guys you get later in the draft. Certainly makes the most sense for DeAndre. I will say if Dalvin Cook is so hell-bent on teaming up with DeAndre, I think that does take Miami out of the equation. If you already I have Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill over there, I don't think Miami is going to be the team to get both of them. So if Dalvin Cook is only going with DeAndre, then the Dolphins are no longer the favorite. Man, that's interesting, and that is a great duo to try and get. But as far as where they would team up at, I mean, I would think they want to go for a championship, but I'm just trying to think in my mind of where they could go to be able to accomplish that together. Uh, I think I'm just going to rock with you right here in this segment, and I'm going to go with uh, the New England Patriots. I think that's a great spot for them, and that's a team looking to compete in that division. And I think both of those guys could step in immediately and cause some problems. Yeah, the, the running back market is a little harder to try to figure out, to be honest with you. If, yeah, because they get disrespected by people like you. Yeah, I'm the worst. All right, continue to hear my bad <laughs> takes and disrespect to running backs. Coming up next, it's Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Slash new slash old producer and our old slash new producer just got into a debate about lunch during the break. And no, it's not Flounder. Shroppy was with us all last week and yesterday. Fiddy is hungry. He's mad at Shroppy for not wanting to go get lunch. And he's mad at Flounder for not saying bye before he left. It's like he never left, Wes. Still, it's about that time to eat. Do you want some chicken wings? Do you want checks? What do you want? Yeah, you want what are you Taco hungry Bell? for, man? What you want to go get? I don't know what I want, but you know, we talked before we came on the air about getting food, and Flown's like, "Well, I got to be gone by a certain time." And usually, Flown comes and tells me bye because mm-hmm. we're buddies, and that's what we do. No goodbye. And then Shroppy, this dude texted me last week on Tuesday at nine forty-five in the morning, wanting me to bring him Bojangles. Three hours before he gets on the air, I asked for food at one forty-seven. Ah. It's about that time for him to leave. He can't. He's big time now. Shroppy <laughs> had one week in the midday and an extra day, and he said, "Nope, 
I'm already dynamic and I'm too dynamic to go get you any Bojangles or any food whatsoever. I did want to answer questions or Wes asked the question about Max Preps. Yes. Saying Independence was the best high school football program in the state. Was there a filter on it? Was it since blank or was it just no, this in was North Carolina time. football history? This was all time. They did it for every single state. So we were That's ask, what they did. We were asking if anybody disagreed with that. 980 said, Mallard Creek has put out the most talent. Is that fair? That Mallard Creek's put out more talent? Uh, yeah, as far as NFL guys, you had Trenton Simpson this year, uh, DJ Humphrey. So they put out a lot of talent. Then they have countless guys in college as well. Burberry Gary said, let's get out of Mecklenburg County and go up north a little bit. Concord High School needs to be mentioned for this. Stop. Seven Stop o- it. Stop it. <laughs> 704 said Charlotte Christian. 803, Independence was dominant when I was in middle and high school. 910 said three exclamation points, Charlotte bias. It's fine to go with Independence here. I don't think there's any bias. Um, continuing to scroll just a little bit. Uh, you did have Tar Heel Kevin say, I saw all of the teams pl- um, plenty, but Independence would get rolled by the Richmond team that won three in a row. Oh, God. They were men among boys. 109 straight wins. We got the exact number, 109 straight wins, especially when you talk about those Chris Leak teams. I think from his junior year, that's the best team to me in the history of this state. But I knew the pride was going to come out. Guys were going to start talking that yin-yang. Uh, 828 said, I now live in Lenore but grew up in Mint Hill. You do realize it was harder to get a ticket to a Friday night. Independence game in the atmosphere was always electric during that run. So just talking about how hard it was. Yeah, and then you talk about 109 straight wins in Charlotte, the toughest football area in the state. I know Shelby has Crest and Shelby, and then you go up in in the eastern part of the state. I know they've got some great teams, but to win 100 and straight, 109 straight games in the city of Charlotte, come on now. All right, let's go to uh, our first visit to the mound in over a week. Right now, Fiddy, what you got for us? Come on! We'll take you on right here, right now! Come on! Hurry up, Dad. It's going to be a short game, and i got to get home for lunch. Don't dog. Was as ugly as you. I'd shave his butt. You tell him to walk backwards. Is that your sister out there in left field? Naked? She's naked? You think she'd go out with me? All right, uh, before we get started, Walker Uh-oh. said something in the, the first segment of the hour or the second segment of the hour. He had to, quote, unquote, endure a visit to the mound. You have to endure when I talk baseball? Do you know what endure means? I don't think you do. It's not a it's not an endorsing word. It, no. I'm I'm yeah, I mean, I look, I guess it is suffering. I pour my heart and soul into this segment every week and you have to endure it. I didn't mean that it was suffering, so maybe I didn't know what it means. <laughs> Because I looked it up and it says to suffer something painful or difficult. But I was really going with the second definition, remain in existence. I guess it was just going to have to exist through your visit to the mound. So I apologize, Fiddy. I like visit to the mound and I love the intro. So I will apologize and I'm ready to hear whatever storylines you bring to the table. Apology accepted. All right. We're going to start with the storyline that we've followed really since it became one. Luis Arias's quest to bat 400. Guys, he went 5-for-5 last night. It's June 20th, and his batting average is once again at 400. It dipped to 391 about 10 days ago. It's now raised back up to to that number, 
the deeper that this goes, are you starting to believe more and more that maybe, just maybe, we see this this happen? Well, hold on. I got to go to West and see how many games yeah. are left in the 336 schedule. games left, man. <laughs> I'm still not going to be a believer. There's too much baseball. Talk to me when there's about two weeks left, maybe even a month, I'll give you to go in the season before we can start talking about something like that. Yeah, we have 300 more games to go before we get with yeah. basically a month left to go in the season. <laughs> I can't believe in it until we get to that point. And until then, I'll believe in Luis Arias or I won't believe in him. All right, what's the next one you got? All right, I saw this last night via ESPN on Twitter. The Kansas City Royals have lost all of Jordan Lyle's 15 starts this season. That is the longest losing streak to start a season in the history of the American League or the National League. I couldn't imagine walking out on the mound every day knowing I could pitch my absolute <laughs> best because there's got to be a gym or two in there and, <laughs> and, and still get beat. It's kind of like me going on Tinder. I could use my best pickup line, and I'm still going to swing and miss. Well, this reminds me of Jacob deGrom having a phenomenal season and also not being able to tally enough wins for the Mets. This was a few years back, even though it's not like Jordan Lyles is as good as Jacob deGrom. That's what it reminds me of. I'm sure you remember that season where he just couldn't rack up the wins despite having a master year. That was his entire career as a Met. It kind of was. You're right about that. Um, I know I give a lot of ridiculous Shohei Otani stats. Here's another one. Otani is the first player since 1900 to lead Major League Baseball in home runs and have the lowest batting average against as a pitcher. He leads baseball with 24 dingers, and teams are batting just 178 against him. I saw a stat where wow. he was leading the Angels in every hitting category you care about and every pitching category you care about. <laughs> I've never, You've never seen anything like it, and it continues to be jaw-dropping. That guy is on the same team with Mike Trout, who I've always thought was underrated just within the pantheon of baseball history, to go through his first seven, eight years in the league, not finishing anything worse than second in the MVP race. I can't wrap my brain around that. And they got somebody better than that guy? I can't wrap my head around it. I love watching his baseball reference page. And Shohei is the best player, clearly in the American League and beyond. Hold on, Fiddy. Then I wanted to add in. Heard a Joey Votto highlight last night. I hadn't heard that name in so long, probably since the game made the song. Uh, I forgot what he said, but he said something about hitting like Votto or something like that. But when I heard that, because that, remember when he got that big contract some years ago, and then here he had the highlight. But the Cincinnati Reds, they're on top of the Central Division. And then I was going to ask 52, the Arizona Diamondbacks playing some good baseball as well. Yeah, no, they're the one team in the NL West I haven't seen. My dad's a Dodger fan, so of course he's seen them. But they're 43 and 27, something like that. 44 and 29. Yeah, 44 and 29. They are they are for real. And some other teams that are for real are coming out of the NL East. It's a hot division right now. The Braves have won six straight. The Marlins, they've won five straight. Miami's 42 and 31. The Phillies have won six straight. But more importantly, guys. I was about to ask, what about the Mets? The New York Mets have won one game in a row. They beat the defending World Series champions, the Houston Astros, last night 11-1. to one. Guys, we're, the comeback. Yeah. It starts now. It's Let's real. add that Houston's only 39 and 34, and they've lost five in a row. I saw a power rankings list last night. I saw the Atlanta Braves were second. I saw the Mets were 21st. 
Mm. Do you agree with those rankings? Kind of like Wes's ACC quarterback rankings, I debunk them. Mm-hmm. Just they're not real. <laughs> they're just they don't they don't exist. If the Mets aren't number one, if Drake May's not number one, then they cease to exist, and we have to endure well, his six list. Six touchdowns down the stretch with four losses. I don't know um, how much more real it can get. Right. I can't wait till Clemson stomps Rattler into a mud pile. We we make more sideways <laughs> comments about each other's favorite teams coming up next, and we continue our NBA discussion. This is Wesson Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC.